Thursday, August 25th. It's the call up and we've got another farm system right up a top 15 that we just dropped on justbaseball.com. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen. Jack, I'm really excited to talk about some of the upper minor level guys that you've seen recently. But this system, we know the Cincinnati Reds has become one of the best systems in baseball. We've talked about it and I took the time over the last week or so to write it all up. A lot of really exciting prospects to talk about today. Yeah, tons of exciting prospects and and even guys that are outside the top 15 in this midseason update. Um, you know, I was just standing on the field in uh, in Indy getting ready for the Indians, who's Pirates AAA, uh, getting set to face off against Rochester, Washington's AAA. And I was talking to a couple of guys and they said, have you seen this dude, Joe Boyle? I was <laughs> like, yes, I have. And I'm in yeah. love. Um, so, I mean, this system is like, one of the deepest in baseball right now. And it's one of the best in baseball. Um, I saw pipeline did like their farm system rankings where the reds two or three. I think Baltimore was one. I think they were, were, I thought they were four for pipeline, but I'm not sure. Whatever it was, it was guaranteed top five. Yeah. So I I think it was Baltimore, the Dodgers, Cleveland, and then the Reds, and then Cincinnati, which is, which is awesome uh, because you know, their, their team at the big league level, uh, Jonathan India has been banged up all year, but they've had some pieces that are starting to contribute. Nick Lodolo, who graduates from this list. We'll talk about that. Yeah. You know, Lodolo has been phenomenal as of late. Yeah. A little shaky in that uh, special game, you know, of course, doing the uh, the Field of Dreams game. But other than that, really, he's been very, very good over his last handful of starts. And he seems like he's starting to figure it out. No, he looked great against two. Was that Philly the other night? Yeah. Lodolo was, uh, he was just on cruise control against Philly. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you've got other big league talent like Luis Castillo, Tyler Malley, Brandon Drury. Sorry. No. Yeah. Well, that's how you got this unreal system, which, you know, we're going to talk about some of those packages and some of the players in those packages. So you can follow along, uh, whether you're listening on the podcast side of things or, you know, watching on YouTube, you can follow along with the link in the description to the article, which is at justbaseball.com with all of the write-ups over there. We'll fly through the honorable mentions real quick because we've got 15 prospects ranked in this, but <laughs> I think the most notable, notable mention or notable omission and other names to watch is Alan Serda is a guy yeah. that, you know, I, I wanted to have in the top 15 and had they not made all of these moves to really just replenish this farm system and load it up, Serda probably would have been, I'm still higher on him then I would say probably most others who are very concerned about the K's, but it's important to remember he's 22 years old, uh, has still tapped into the power just fine. He's playing good defense. He's walking, uh, but he he really needs to work on the bat to ball department, which has obviously been an issue for him. Uh, we were bullish on him last year because he went up to high A, made tangible swing adjustments. The approach was better. The contact rates were higher, but it seems like he kind of abandoned that now in double A this year. Yeah, it it kind of feels like it. Um, now a, a positive point: he has not put up an isolated power at any stop under two thirty since he was in rookie ball in twenty eighteen. Like when he makes contact, it goes a very long way. Um, yeah. he walks all the time. He's got what? He was at a seventeen percent walk rate sixty two games in high A before getting the bump to double. He's at a sixteen percent walk rate in forty games in double, but he's striking out a billion times. Yeah, so he is a three true outcome guy right now. He's too good of an athlete to be a three true outcome guy. He's got to get better in the bat to ball department. But I think once he does that, like we got a little taste of that in high A at the end of last year, he was sporting a 23% K rate through 21 games. And that's what I was really impressed with because it wasn't just the the numbers. 
it was a tangible swing adjustment. Yeah, it was it was a legitimate swing adjustment, and he knew that he had enough torque, he had enough you know whippiness in his swing to generate some pop without getting his a swing off. Now it feels like he's just trying to get his a swing off every time. Oh yeah, so, he is. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm, I don't know. You see some massive hacks that he's you know missing balls by about you know a foot, foot and a half. Um, as soon as he stops doing that, I think we're in a really good spot with Alan Serda. And he can repeat this level and still be on a fine timeline, right? I mean, the, the only problem is old and double. Yeah. The only problem is he's a 40 man guy. So, you know, I don't know if they want to have him repeat the level. You could have him go to triple with the plan of just like, hey, he might suck here for a little bit, but let's let's just work through it. I don't know what their plan is going to be based on the 40 man situation. I think the Reds are in, in a spot where they can kind of shoulder the load for another year of having more prospects taking up 40 man spots. Uh, but, you know, I think the, the Reds are not really a five year rebuild team. I think they're two, maybe three years away from being a good team. So you know, this is an interesting spot for them to be in. And I, I'm, I'm interested to see how they decide to, to handle Serda. Um, flying through some of the other guys, Victor Acosta, he was brought in for uh, Brandon Drury basically a one-for-one swap from the Padres. This was a good get for them, you know, $1.8 million international free agent just a year ago. Five-tool potential, hasn't played above the complex, so I'm not going to pretend like I I know a ton about him. Uh, But obviously, there's a lot of upside there, and if you can get that for a rental uh, that you really just was found money with Brandon Drury, I think you're pretty happy with that outcome for the Cincinnati Reds. He's a a Mega Millions ticket. Like, that's just what he is. You know, we say lottery, but... I mean, you have you with a guy like Victor Acosta, who is signed for big money as a 16, 17 year old. We just talked about the Nats last week. The Nats spend a lot of money on 16 year old kids in the DR and and Venezuela. And like, you know, sometimes that doesn't work out more times than not. That doesn't work out. Occasionally you hit on a Soto or for the Dodgers, a Diego Cartaya. But sometimes it's a Yasel Antuna. Yeah. Um, you, you're pretty much buying a ticket for Mega Millions or Powerball. Well, and that's why I personally love playing the percentages. And we'll talk about it because a guy named Ellie De La Cruz was a $60,000 international free agent. Yuri Perez, a couple hundred thousand dollars. You can look at the top 100 list. We're going to do it by the numbers. You'd be shocked at how many guys were less than seven figure signees. But I will say, you know, this was a great get when you're trading a rental guy that you added just to kind of get through the season and you're able to go get a one point eight million dollar international free agent that you didn't have to tap from your your pool uh, the year before. Mike Ciani, it's funny because Mike Ciani is a name that comes up a lot. And the more I dig into him, man, outfielder in double A, you know, putting up average offensive numbers, but an elite defensive center fielder who's swiped more than 40 bags. I just realized Mike Ciani's just a big leaguer. Like he's going to be a fourth outfielder. And I, I think he can hit 10 to 15 uh, maybe in, in Cincinnati uh, because he does have a little bit of sneaky, at least average pull side pop. This guy, if you had to go with a season of him starting in center field for you, uh, I, I know the Reds have higher aspirations than that. Like if somebody went down and Ciani had to hold down the fort for 40, 50 games, I don't think you'd be really upset about it. I think he'd play great defense. He'd steal a lot of bags. He'd put the ball in play. And I mean, that's the ideal fourth outfielder. And I think he's got a good chance to be that. Yeah. Last year was hard to watch in Dayton. Um, Mm. You know, he was hitting like low 200s. I see 216 in 97 games last year. Like he was not that good. A 650 OPS. You know, I, I think we were starting to see like, oh, you know, maybe this guy can can only play defense and run the bases, but he can't get on first base. This year, been a different story. 106 games in double. He's hitting 246. 
I'm yeah. I'm okay with that from a fourth outfield. Fourth outfield, very okay with that. Yeah, and um, he's doing he's forty bags even without getting on base at the at the craziest clip, and he walks right. He walks. He walks. Fifty nine walks in one hundred and six games. Um, he is one of the best defensive outfielders in minor league baseball that I've seen, and I've seen a lot of outfielders in minor league baseball. Yeah. Um, Mike Ciani is one of the best with with the jumps that he gets. With how he glides out there, it feels like the game works slowly for him. Him and Pete Crow Armstrong kind of have that similar ability yes. to just cover a lot of ground really quickly, really yes. smooth. It just seems like they have a uh, almost like a heat-seeking missile to the way that they're able to track the ball. And yeah, I was watching they zero in, they it's zero in. Cool. I will say that Siani is a bit more graceful than PCA, but PCA gets to more balls. He covers yeah. more ground. He's he's crazy. He's crazy. He's crazy. Uh, you mentioned Joe Boyle. I mean, Joe Boyle would be a top 100 prospect had he had if he didn't have 20 grade command. Like he he legit had, <laughs> and like that's not even a joke. I'm not being hyperbolic. Like 2080 scale, he has 20 grade command, and that's the problem because the fastball is insane. He's six foot seven, big power guy. I I watched him on the Cape hit 102. 103. Uh, th- this kid is extremely, extremely talented. When he was drafted, I was positive it was just as a reliever. I still think he's very obviously going to be a reliever. The Reds are trying him as a starter. And despite walking one out of every five batters, which is also crazy, <laughs> it's crazy. He still kept the, the, he's keeping the numbers in check because he's impossible to square up. Uh, the stuff is nasty. The breaking ball is gross. The fastball is like 20 inches of induced vertical break. Like this guy's really, really talented. I think he's going to move to a bullpen and be a really good bullpen arm. Um, but for whatever reason, they're continuing to try this uh, starting thing for him. Uh, simply put, <laughs> uh, Joe Boyle in 83 and a third innings has a 216 ERA because he's allowing 3.2 hits per nine. <laughs> How many walks, though? 7.3. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> like, it's it's one of the more incredible, like, just profiles that you can find it's insane is you can't like, hit what him. the hell happens it, you could actually take a nap at, at third base you could take a nap with joe correct. Boyle on the mound yeah there's it's it's really joe boyle versus the strike zone like that's yes. it no, no one's hitting him yeah no one's doing anything it's just is is he gonna walk you or is he gonna strike you out um yeah. There's a few other guys, Austin Hendrick, you know, he's, he's showing signs of life this year, uh, producing over a 700 OPS. He's still just 21 years old. I think it'd be ridiculous to, to fully swear him off. He's obviously losing, um, you know, the status in the system relative to other guys, but that doesn't mean that he's cooked and finished. Um, obviously has, uh, a, a lot of natural talent, some crazy bat speed, and there's still hope that he can put it all together at just 21 years old. It's still a name to watch. Bryce Bonin, I think he's on the shelf with a shoulder injury right now, but he was off to a great start. Data darling, nasty slider, good fastball. Bryce Hubbard, I think, is a sleeper pick out of Florida yeah. State in the third round of this past draft. Super yeah. athletic pitcher, lefty, that I think they're going to pol- or develop pretty well. He's pretty polished and... uh any other honorable mentions I'm missing before we jump into this thing? No, I'm a big fan of Bryce Hubbard. Um, yeah. You know, he was the Robin to Parker Messick's Batman at Florida State this year. And I think a lot of people fell in love with Messick. Um, Messick is a guardian now, right? I think we loved that pick um, when Parker Messick went yeah. to Cleveland. Yeah. So, I mean, listen, like, I, I think he was overshadowed a little bit. And and obviously not to the extent where it's like Cole and Bauer on the same UCLA team. But, um, you know, I'm thinking like, 
because this is too drastic too i was thinking those vandy teams where you had bd carson fulmer and walker bueller in the same rotation and bueller was the three behind bd and fulmer but it's just two good college arms in the same rotation the friday guy was great in messick the saturday guy was great in bryce hubbard and and i think he i think he's in the right situation here not quite as I don't think it's going to be as explosive as Andrew Abbott uh, and the steal that he was in the last draft, but I think he could be a similar college arm that you're like, wait, why didn't someone take him sooner? I mean, this guy's pretty good. Sometimes when you're good in college, you're just a good pitcher. Like people looked at Andrew Abbott like, oh yeah, he's a good college pitcher, but he doesn't have the crazy stuff. You know what? He might just be a good pitcher. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we'll jump into the top 15 here. And, and number 15 is a guy that recently got promoted to high a it's Jay Allen, who, I don't know why he got promoted to high A. Um, He definitely had solid numbers for a high school guy in low A. He's an outfielder with good tools across the board. And this is a three-sport athlete out of Florida who was a legitimate quarterback prospect as well. Could have played college sports for basically basketball, football, or baseball. Uh, Was committed to the University of Florida. Ultimately signs with the Reds after being drafted 30th overall in 2021's MLB draft. And I mean, this kid's 19 years old and put up solid numbers again as a high schooler in, in low A as a prep guy in his first season, 224, 359, 332 slash line. It's a 108 WRC plus 24% K rate, 31 bags. The reason why Jay Allen makes the cut here, six foot three, 190 pounds, above average runner. And I like the swing. I think he's figuring out how to sync up the lower half and and the torso and just getting his hands working the right way with the swing. He gets a little bit long. I'm seeing fastballs kind of bust him in on the hands. And he's still just learning the nuances of hitting because he's a guy that really has not focused on baseball. Surprised that he got promoted to high A. He struggled there uh, through his first 25 at-bats. I think he has two hits. Uh, but I, I think he's super talented um, and can stick in center above average power potential, above average speed, and, and a decent field to hit. Yeah, you uh, you got me down the ESPN recruiting uh, page on Jay Allen for his football. Uh, he picked up the uh, he picked up the Lane Kiffin offer at Florida Atlantic. Didn't realize that. Lane oh, he got, a, he got an Allen. FAU offer? Hell FAU. yeah. Yeah, he fell for the hashtag come to the FAU, but now it's <laughs> hashtag come to the SIP. So he did not follow Lane to Ole Miss. Uh, he decided to enter the red system. Listen, I mean, 33 bags and 39 attempts so far this year. He's he's a quick dude. Um gets to his mean, top like, speed well too. Yeah. Um, you know, he's he's not striking out too much. Um it, what's his severity of contact like? So, you know, that's that's the other thing that was interesting. Is he, the exavilos are pretty much average, which is again, I think solid for a six three guy with more room to add muscle and also still learning how to just sink his upper body and lower body in his swing. Like it's, it's sometimes just very out of sorts and it's just pure athleticism in the box. And he's still kind of treading water. I think most guys that are that raw do not perform this well and do not kind of keep their head afloat in low A out of the gate. Now, what I will say is slugging 308 so far this year is like not a good sign, but no. you would like to see some more power. But again, he's 19 years old. He's going to spend yeah. more time in a in a major league weight program. And he's popped 106s already this year, like 106 mile an hour exit lows uh, on several occasions. So I look at that. I'm like, there's there's more power in the tank. I think he's going to get there. And, um, you know, it, it's a name to watch for sure. 
Uh, but you know, you could go anyway. It's a very risky profile. And, uh, but I think he hedges that a little bit with some good bat to ball skills for relative to his experience and staying power in center, good athleticism, projectable frame. Um, that's just your classic dream on this guy, uh, type of, uh, prospect and still at 19 years old, hopefully he gets his, his, you know, gets things going in high a a little bit. Yeah. 14 Levi stout. This was a tough guy to peg, um, because Levi stout came over kind of the, the third of the four pieces in that Mariners return for Luis Castillo. And stout is the closest to big league ready of the whole bunch. And this is probably a big league swing, man. Uh, that's kind of what I see from him. He doesn't really have a big league pitch at this point beyond the slider, but the slider works like the slider could be a big league bullpen pitch right now. He's throwing it 45% of the time uh, in the minor leagues. And it's, it's working still though. Opponents are hitting just 213 against it with a 614 OPS. He's punching out guys at a 28% clip with that pitch, but the fastball is 94, 96 or more 93, 95, I should say, but it, it just does not get any whiffs. 12% in zone whiff rate. It's a dead zone fastball that just doesn't do much. And then he doesn't have good command of his changeup or his curveball. So right now it's really slider and mediocre fastball for Stout. And that's what's holding him back a bit, but great command and already has the one big league pitch. He makes the cut here in the top 15 because I think he's a guaranteed big leaguer in some capacity. That creates a top 15 prospect, right? If you think yeah. that they can get to the bigs, they can get to the bigs. Um, and that's why I'm sure Siani was probably 16 or 17 for you because he can get to the bigs. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought the assignments were interesting. Like he was a starter. He started 18 games for a double A Arkansas in Seattle system. And then the trade goes through. They're like, oh, you were in double A the whole time. Let's send you to Chattanooga. Um, he's got an incredible start in Chattanooga and they were like, oh, we, we might've screwed up here. Like, let's get you up. So he, he's in triple now. He's very close. I think when September one or two rolls around, we might be seeing Levi Stout wearing a Reds uniform. Um, I think for sure he's going to give you, be given a fair shot to make the roster out of spring training next year. And he's a guy that you can stretch out. Look, he's going to have to be very perfect. The assignment thing was funny, too. I was looking at that. And I, was, I don't know if it was maybe the way the travel arrangement worked out. I, I have no idea. But it was weird that they did that for one start. He carved. And then he struggled in his first AAA start. So, uh, you know, the fastball has got to be better. I don't know if he should go more to a sinker and, and try to be a ground ball guy. I don't know if he needs to adjust the, the shape of the fastball in the offseason and try to get some more ride to it. But that's, you know, easier said than done. I think the sink is easier to 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 kind of develop uh, in one off season, but command one big league pitch. I think he can get the fastball there. The VLOs there, and maybe he finds a feel for the changeup or the curveball to kind of give him that third pitch as a swing man. Yeah. Next guy, number 13. And this was someone that I saw when we did the live stream, the Reds live stream, people were surprised that we had Steve Hadger this high. Uh, I don't know if, if other people had him this high, but I'm going to give my whole Steve Hadger case in a, in kind of a spark notes version right now, but left-handed pitching prospect came over in the Tyler Malley trade, Michigan guy, great numbers there. Second round pick in 2021. And Hadger's been a little bit all over the place this year because of a shoulder strain that, you know, I, I think has really hampered his velocity at times. We've, we've seen this kid as high as 95 miles an hour this season. 
uh, but also as low as 89. And, and in recent starts, he's been closer to the 89 mile an hour mark. And uh, when his velo is down, he doesn't trust it. And he's been nibbling. And that's what it's looked like his first couple outings uh, in high A. But what I like about Hadger is there, there's four potentially average or better pitches here. The fastball when his shoulder's right is, is 93, 95. Uh, and I think that it, with, with some good life to it. And also he hides the ball well. The slider is an above average pitch. The changeup is an above average pitch that he repeats the arm speed well and it's tough to pick up. And the curveball is average. So you have that arsenal across the board, built-in deception. This guy screams like a number four starter to me as a lefty with, I think, good potential command-wise. I like the mechanics. I think he's going to settle in there. It's really just about can the VLO be closer to the 95s than the 89s? And and it's kind of just been all over the map this year with the shoulder strain. I, I love that you mentioned that he hides the ball well, um, especially for a big dude. He's a big guy. I think he's mm-hmm. like 6'5", 250, 6'6", mm-hmm. 250. 6'5", um, 240, I think is the exact listing. Okay, so say he's 6'5", 240. Um, what Hadger does is like we talk about getting closed early. Like a lot of the best pitchers in baseball now, when when you're looking at their mechanics, they're getting closed early so they don't have to worry about that. And then they're letting their athleticism play. Um, what he does is he's got this unorthodox delivery as soon as he picks his leg up and it's nothing with the leg. A lot of it has to do with the glove hand where he kind of shoots the glove hand out at a diagonal and creates a ton of torque, creates yeah. a ton of momentum through. And that kind of allows his body to sweep a fastball across. Like it feels like the fastball is coming in from a low three quarter slot, even though it might not necessarily be a low three quarter slot that he's releasing from just because of where his weight is moving. It feels like he can run a fastball in on a righty really well. And it's why the slider kind of comes across the zone really well, too. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm he, sure the slider looks, I'm sure it plays off of the fastball very well just by look to the hitter. Uh, it does. And, and what's crazy is I think because of that, that crossover, it also works to back leg righties. He throws it 12% of the time to righties. He throws it like 30% of the time to lefties. So I mean that pitch works. And then the changeup from that closed off position, if you're a right-handed hitter, you're not seeing that ball until it's, oh, you know, in that oh. tunnel point, about 30 feet away. And you're trying to figure out if it's a fastball or changeup and it's tough. So when he's right, I watched a few starts and I was like, man, I can really see the potential here, but then I watched some other starts where he was more 89 and, and it just, everything doesn't play up quite the same because remember, I mean, he doesn't have one plus pitch. It's a bunch of average or maybe above average pitches that when his velo is up and the fastball sets the tone, he's in good shape. But when he's more 89, then all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, below average and you got to really hit your spots, but uh, assuming he can get right. Cause I don't think there's a ton of effort in his delivery. He just turned 22 years old. He's a really, really talented pitcher. Uh, I, I think as long as his shoulder stays healthy, this guy's going to be a pretty solid back end of the rotation starter. Yeah. But we know how terrifying shoulders are. Um, Correct. So yeah, I, I, I'm not saying like slam the panic button on him, but like shoulders got to get right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and well, he, he got, he came back, he's throwing now, obviously the velo isn't there, but at least he's throwing. And if they haven't shut him down, obviously uh, something's right. He's just got to kind of get, maybe it's a little bit of dead arm. Who knows exactly what it is, but uh, a guy that's been throwing gas. Um, and, you know, I, I, this is one that I, I, after we published this list, I thought about, it, I was like, maybe I should have put him a little higher. I'll be honest. Number 12, Connor Phillips. Connor Phillips is 21 years old, electric right-hander, another second round pick. He was the player to be named later uh, in 
which trade was that? The Jesse Winker trade with Eugenio Suarez uh, coming over from the Mariners, former second round pick in 2020. And player to be named later doesn't do him justice because he is probably one of the best player to be players to be named later that's been traded in a while, prospect yeah. wise. Yeah. Um, this guy's got electric stuff and and quickly is starting to to catch up to Brandon Williamson. We'll talk about him as maybe the best piece in that package, which is interesting. Uh, but the fastball is 95 to 97, tops out at 99. He has a plus slider as well and an above average curveball. The command is is far off. Um, there's a little bit of effort in the delivery, uh, and that's a little bit of a concern as well with the reliever risk. But I mean, this guy's got some nasty stuff and 21 years old has put up some good strikeout numbers already. He's a really good athlete. Like that's kind of what I noticed when watching Connor Phillips. Um, I loved watching him in Dayton. He was amazing in Dayton. I'm a big fan of watching those Dayton Dragons. Um, there's just something about it. You got Noelvi Marte there now too, right? He hasn't gotten the bump to double yet. Not yet. I hope he does soon. Uh, I hope he does soon as well because that'll be Marte and Ellie on the left side of the infield, right? And somebody's yeah. going to move to third. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's struggling in double right now, Connor Phillips, like an ERA over six in eight yep. starts, which I don't walking know, but, seven per nine. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. And like, he was already walking four or five guys per nine in high A, but I mean, he's striking everybody in sight out 12 and a half K's per nine. Like he is athletic. His arsenal is athletic. You mentioned electric fastball. He is a he he's a smaller bully ball guy like bully ball pitchers are typically like the big imposing presence on the mound. Like Alec Manoa is a bully ball pitcher. Yeah. Connor Phillips in a smaller stature kind of feels like a bully ball pitcher. Yeah. And and I, I really just, I do. The only thing I'm really worried about is, is the staying power in the rotation. I, there's just something about, and again, like I'm not the, I'm not quite as mechanically, uh, I don't know what the word would be. How would you phrase this? But I don't know if I'm, I have as much of an ability to break down pitching mechanics as I do hitting mechanics. And I just look at a Connor Phillips and it just, I can, I can see disruptive moves. It's all relative, right? It's all kind of the same. When I look at Phillips mechanics, it, it just seems a little bit disruptive. It seems difficult to repeat. You mentioned he's a good athlete. That's why he gets by. Um, but I, I think this is a guy that could ultimately be another really good bullpen arm, but at 21 years old, he's going to have plenty of time to work through the command, try to get there. Uh, and I think he can, I think he can, but, uh, He's probably going to repeat double A next year and just continue to try to work through his command limitations. Uh, but the stuff is it's it's three above average pitches. Fastball is easily plus. He could be a a dynamite middle of the rotation starter if he makes a major, major jump with his command. Uh, I'm watching back. I'm just trying to get a, a feel on what his delivery like. I'm watching it back to see what could get thrown out of whack. Um and I feel like it's as soon as his hands break, right? Kind of what you were saying. Like, yeah, it, I, that, I just, yeah. I don't, I, it's hard to put into, I just look at him like, I don't see, I don't have confidence in him repeating this right now. Yeah. I, I could see him falling off glove side. So with a righty falling off towards the first base side of the mound. Um, and, you know, I, I could see like, I bet his misses, they're not up and down. They're probably side to side. Right. Yeah. 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 So, um, I, I can see that, but like, he's an athlete. I think he can figure that out once he turns into less of an athlete, which might be his 30th birthday, then we'll <laughs> figure it out. But, um, I think he's going to be fine as, as a bullpen piece or as a starter. Yeah. And honestly, like I, I really do still feel like I, I probably had him too low. Um, I, I think that's when we're going to look back on and be like, Ooh, 
We probably had him too low because Dude, what they, the hell? The age is a factor. He's 21. Um, yeah. and and I mean the, the data too, the pitch data is pretty impressive. In zone whiff rate at 28% on the fastball is is yeah. stupid. Um, the in zone percentage is low though. So that also hurts. Uh it's hard to get in zone whiffs when you don't throw it in the zone. Um, slider has been really good for him as well. 23% in zone whiff rate, curveball a 25% rate as well. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot to like there. Next guy, another trade, uh, another guy that came over with Steve Hadjar. We have Christian Encarnacion Strand. I have him as a first baseman, but, you know, you, you could get by at third. If Jose Miranda's getting by at third, maybe Chris Encarnacion Strand can. He came over in that Tyler Malley trade. This guy's got crazy power, crazy, yeah. crazy power. And what's interesting is, is Encarnacion Strand, I, I, you would expect him to not hit for as much average as he has hit for because he is insanely aggressive. He's he's chasing at like a 38% clip, which is ridiculous. That's like way too high. But at the same point, he's got a pretty solid zone contact rate around 80 to 82%, which is fine when you're putting up exit velos off the charts. He, he's hit, I think, half of his home runs over 420 feet this year. It's silly power. It's Pretty good bat to ball skills for the power that you're getting here. I would just love to see him be more patient. Yeah, I, I, I mean, strikes out a lot. He hits a lot of nukes. Um, I was looking at where he's played defensively because you mentioned if Jose Miranda can survive at third, then Encarnacion Strand can probably survive at third. Um, with Cedar Rapids, uh, which was Minnesota's high A, 55 games at third base. He spent 18 as a DH, two games, 10 innings total. At first base, then he gets the bump to double played eight games at third. didn't play a single inning at first base. And then he gets traded. He has now played five games at third and five games at first. So I think they want to turn him into a first baseman here. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely a spot where I think the reds are looking for, you know, some, some guys to plan the future, you know, like yeah. after Joey Votto can Christian and Carnacion strand be your first baseman. I don't think they have much question at third at this point. No, I don't think so either. And I, I think that the answer is yes, because of how much power that he supplies. And, and we look at a lot of the power hitting first baseman now. When when you look at the tippy top, like a Pete Alonso, we've talked about Pete Alonso and how he is good bat to ball. That's not Christian Encarnacion Strand. Christian Encarnacion Strand is, I don't want to say Chris Carter. I feel like that's mean. No, um, but he, he makes more contact, though. That's the thing. Like yeah. 80% zone contact is is better than you'd expect for a guy like him Um, but it's not but it's not like top flight no 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 but if you're producing 106 mile per hour 90th percentile exit velo and you're just you just generate the natural lift and carry that he does because i mean for him it's like it's a little mark vientos esque where it's just he he hits the bottom of a baseball but it just carries out of the yard just so effortlessly um and that's going to really play a great american I really think if he just toned it down with with the with the swing rate, I mean, he's swinging at fifty three percent of pitches. Just just don't swing so much, right? That's like, a lot, I think yeah. that that will help him, right? Because the whiff is if you look at guys with his power, the difference is we don't we don't highlight the the whiff as much because they walk. He doesn't walk. He swings at everything, and if he swings less, he'll probably whiff less too because you'll stop swinging at those borderline pitches that you can't do much with. So yeah. I think he's an approach adjustment away from really unlocking this consistency. But again, the fact that you're able to get away with a 38% chase rate and still put up 
high 200s batting average this year in, in double A, I think is really impressive. Just walk a little bit and, and you'll be in good shape. But he goes the other way really well. He controls his body well. My only concern is he gets a little bit long at times. And I've been watching, I watched kind of a crash course, like flew through a bunch of ABs lately in, in the upper levels. There's a, a very clear scouting report on him. It's it's hard two seamers running in on his hands and see if he can fend them off. Yeah. And he's, you know, getting sawed off a little bit. So I think with that in mind, you're trying to make decisions earlier and that's resulting in some chase. So, I mean, that's something he has to adjust and, and, you know, some guys never do, but I think he can because he still is tapping into so much power. And again, everybody kind of has their blue zone. The difference is dare them to locate it there. If that thing bleeds back over the middle, it's gone. And he's not missing mistakes right now. No, he's not. And I mean, like, you know, even with this tangible adjustment that you see clear as day that he needs to make, he's still ninth in all of full season minor league baseball and slugging. He's slugging 600. Yeah. Like he's, and he's young still. He's he's another guy, 22 years old, yeah, already so with success in double. Was he, was he a JUCO transfer yes. to Oklahoma State? Yes, he was a JUCO transfer. Okay. Yeah. Yavapai College in Arizona. Yeah. And then he got to Okie State. And just, just as always, always hit, <laughs> you know, just one of the, a Juco masher. I, I like my Juco mashers. I really I do. I love my Juco mashers. <laughs> and they, they're self-proclaimed Juco bandits too. I'm a big fan of the bandits. I like the Juco bandit thing. That's, that's a good bit. I do enjoy that. So a yeah. guy that I was not expecting to like this much uh, going into this was South Stewart and South Stewart comes in at 10 looks are obviously limited, very limited. Um, He was just drafted 32nd overall in this year's draft. Uh, by the Cincinnati Reds and South Stewart, South Florida guy um, went to Westminster Christian, which is the same high school of Alex Rodriguez, MJ Melendez as well. Uh, and a few others, but this guy just tore up South Florida competition I, I, against some of the best players hit over 500. Uh, then in the, in the summer circuit raked um, he's just a guy that has hit at every stop was considered one of the prep best prep bats in the draft. And you can really see why, as I started to do a dig on just some early complex ABs and also just watching some BP um, and whatever I could kind of just find online. Uh, I really like the swing. It's simple. He's, he's explosive, man. I mean, I was looking at, at the rotational explosiveness that this guy has. It's not a lot of effort. There's not a lot of moving parts. It's a simple load, a gathering leg kick, and then he has just crazy torque. And he repeats all his moves well, and I like it. I'm really impressed with the upper body. We talk about Jay Allen and how his upper body and lower half are kind of out of sync. Stewart's all synced up, and this guy's got crazy power and I think a better feel to hit than a lot of people will expect out of the gate. Yeah, um, I'm not even going to pretend like I've seen any Sal Stewart. I watched the uh, I watched the video when he got drafted, and that's about it. So what I will say is eight games, uh, five punch outs, and 28 plate appearances. Like that's fun. which is which is great. Yeah, and that's pretty much the only thing to look at at the complex. I don't I don't really give a shit about anything else, right? Like we're we're looking. You don't at care about much, the four doubles? It, yeah, sure. I mean that's nice. But how much are you swinging and missing against now? You know, as a high school guy, professional competition. I know it's not. The complex is very is varied, right? You, you don't you you get a little bit of everything, but if you're not Kaying, that's usually a very good sign that it, it kind of reinforces what we were just saying. Now the swing is more advanced than than I think a lot of high school guys with that kind of power. Now I, I'm kind of shocked you still believe that he's a top 15 guy because in his first eight games of the complex, 
he's grounded into three double plays. <laughs> uh oh. Yeah, he doesn't move well. Thirty on the run. If you if you're following along on the uh, okay. if you're following along on the uh, on the article, you can see. 30 run grade defense is going to be a question. Um, you know, he was a basketball player in high school and he, he, his feet move well enough for his size right now. I think he's a fine third baseman, but I am worried he gets heavier and heavier feet wise and maybe doesn't, you know, maintain that kind of agility. But right now projects as an average or slightly below average third baseman. That's fine with the offense. He can give you he's 18 years old. I, I think he's the only former basketball player I've ever heard named Sal. Yeah, I don't know I if I've ever heard playing, him. I can't imagine Sal playing basketball. a hooper named Sal. Yeah, yeah, that's that's South Florida. South Florida will give you some hoopers named Sal. I think uh, Italianos <laughs> coming in at nine. This is the this one hurt, man. Uh, yeah. Brandon Williamson. Um, this is one that I've. I don't really know what's happened, man. I, I did a dive. I spent a lot of time looking at him, you know, and just trying to peg Brandon Williamson in this system was really tough and, and you will we'll kind of just talk this out because I'm interested to see what your thoughts are. I'll kind of present where my conundrum was and then see where you kind of lie uh, on all of this, but let me set the scene first. Williamson also traded over in that Winker Suarez deal, six foot six lefty, potentially four above average pitches, potentially two plus pitches. And we saw those last year. He carved up the minor leagues last year. And I loved everything I saw. The fastball was just explosive out of his hand with like 18 inches of induced vertical break, sometimes more than that. Um, the, the slider was sharp. The curveball was a hammer. The changeup was showing signs. The command could have been better, but it was good enough. Fast forward to this year. The velo is all the same, but the stuff has just ticked down. Swing and miss way down Whiff rates on every pitch way down. besides the slider, that's the only one that's kind of holding its own. And the spin rates are down about 150 RPMs across his entire arsenal on average. And the induced vertical break on his fastball is down three inches. So velo the same spin rate and shape worse. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, I watched Williamson two weeks ago, I want to say. It was either like two or three weeks ago. He was in Indy. And I was I was like, fingers crossed. I was hoping and praying that I wasn't going to come away from that start feeling the same way about Williamson the way that I do about Matthew Liberator, where high expectations and I'm disappointed. I leave and I'm like, he didn't wow me the way that that I wanted to be wowed. And to be quite honest, I, I didn't leave that feeling the same way I do about Libby. Like, I was very impressed with Brandon Williamson. Um, it was him and Rowanzi Contreras as Rowanzi was down for some weird reason. Um, and, you know, Williamson ran into some tough luck. I know that was his best start over, you know, his last month, six weeks. Um, he was walking a lot of guys before that. I mean, he had some terrible outings in the walk department. It was like five walks, four walks. It was just brutal to watch. Um, but when he got to Indy and when he put that start together, what was so impressive was he would work around like some defensive shortcomings and he would work around frustration, which is the sign of maturity, which is what you like to see. Um, he seems like he will be a mature guy. I just don't know if the stuff is going to be good enough to get him a 10 strikeout performance in major league baseball. I, I love that you just said that because that was exactly what I was going to bring up is, 
he's his stuff is ticked down, right? And he, the no, the underlying numbers aren't great. Uh, he, obviously, the walk rates up, strikeout rate down, and this guy's still somehow fighting out there, right? Three seven seven ERA in Triple A. That's and, not you know, horrible. E, ERA is and everything, whatever. Even the four four six fit man in Triple A, like with what he is struggling through right now, um, and in double, he had a four one four and a four three eight ERA and fit yeah. being the latter, like. This guy was fighting through and is still fighting through struggles. So the reason why I still have him in the top 10 is I think he can rediscover this. Now he's in a new obviously a competitor. He's a competitor. He still has four pitches that he's comfortable mixing in. They're all fine. They're not bad, but like they they were looking plus. I'll read you fan graphs, which, you know, I I think fan graphs when it comes to pitches, they're generally a little bit more bearish. They're not just going to hand out plus grades. We know that that everyone's a reliever oftentimes in in their eyes. They're very harsh. And I I appreciate that because when they do have a guy that they really like, you take a step back and say, maybe I should take a longer look at them. And that was when I loved Williamson. And then I saw fan graphs give him 50, 50 present grade, 55 future on the fastball, 55 present grade on the slider with a 60 future. Same on the curveball, same on the changeup. 55 future 60 on every single secondary and a present 50 future 55 on the fastball. Like that's exactly what I thought I was seeing. So I'm like, okay, if the harsh graders also feel that way, like there's definitely something there this year, all of those pitches have taken a full grade back. So the fact that he's still battling, um, I think is super encouraging but obviously that's that's a very specific silver lining that we're finding here. But let's say he f- rediscovers some of that stuff again. There's a good chance it could still happen. And he's six foot six lefty who I think has fought through bad stuff. I think that could that could really help him in the long term. Who comes over the top of the great curveball like that curveball is really, really good. It's got a ton of drop. And I think a lot of that is um you know, based on his frame too, like he's a tall, lanky guy that gets over the top of his breaking pitch and buries it. it. Both-handed hitters, yeah, it's phenomenal. Um, at this point, moving forward, Williamson or Libby? Mm, what a question! I know, right? I think this could be really encouraging for Reds fans that, like, even with the struggles of Brandon Williamson, we're struggling to pick. Williamson or Liberator. And some of that is a knock on Liberator right now, but a lot of that is a testament to what Williams can what Williamson can still be. I, I'll go, yeah. I, and and it's a that that's a great point. I'm gonna lean Libby just to fully undermine your point just now. But no, but the no, fact but, that it's even a conversation. I mean, we're talking about the ninth prospect in, in the red system right now versus what's supposed to be the best the top pitching prospect, prospect for the Cardinals, which yeah. is now Tink Hens, but like that's who it was supposed to be Liberator. Uh, right. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy if you think about it. And I thought you were going to ask me Andrew Abbott or Brandon Williamson, but obviously we already know that answer because yeah. Abbott is eighth and Abbott, you know, this was tough too. I was like, okay, I've loved Andrew Abbott, but am I, am I getting ahead of myself to, to put him over Williamson? And the answer is no. <laughs> um, the, the stuff is just really impressive. And I would say the fastball is now kind of overtaken Williamson, even though the velo is, Maybe a tick lower. I think they're closer now than, than a lot of people may think. Uh, Abbott's more averaging 92.5 miles per hour on the heater. Can grab a five every once in a while. But the thing with Abbott's fastball is it explodes out of his hand. A ton of riding life to it. High end zone whiff at 24%. Swinging strike percentage of 14, which is really, really solid. The curveball is a hammer. And when he's commanding that, which he has done a really good job of doing so this year, um, it, he he will just carve through a lineup. I've I watched him just carve through striking out like 
six guys first time through the lineup. Like that's the kind of thing he can do to you when he's on mixes in a changeup that works really well off the fastball, but the changeup command is, is obviously a little bit further behind. If he can find that, that's a three pitch mix with, I still believe in the command. I think he's a guy that saw his stuff tick up so much that it's almost like he's struggling to contain the beast that he has just developed inside of him. I think he will get there command wise as he continues to realize that he can throw his fastball in the zone, almost in any count and still get a strike. Right, 2-0, here's my fastball, and he still beats you with it. That's the kind of fastball Abbott has. Um, if the changeup comes along, this is a solid number three starter. I think so, too. Um, I didn't think that the strikeout numbers were going to be as good at a school as they are. No, I thought pitchability lefty, mix it up, um, sneak, sneak, sneaky, like maybe one strikeout per inning kind of guy. But I did yeah, not, like- I did not think he would sustainably be a you know, 30 to 35% strikeout guy. Net, do you think that translates to the big league level? Because I, I think that the strikeout numbers tick way down when he gets up there. I think they tick down, but not way down. Um, you think he's the, eight per nine? I, I think he can stay. I think he can stay up there to like a, a strikeout per inning. I, I really do. Like the fastball, man, It's it's got that Nestor Cortez, just invisible uh, from yeah. a tough arm slot that yeah. I think will just allow him to get those strikeouts. Uh, and then the curveball is is disgusting. Um, <laughs> you want to hear the opponent numbers on the curveball this year. It's uh, They're hitting 224, 276, 336 against it, 41 strikeouts in 125 at-bats, Damn. only nine extra base hits. Nine walks, nine extra base hits off that pitch. Uh, and he's throwing it a lot. And then the fastball. 722 OPS against, despite throwing it half the time, 70 Ks in 179 at-bats on the fastball. Like All he needs is that changeup to come along here, and I think that three-pitch mix is enough to get you a good amount of whiffs at the highest level. And I think get there really quickly. I think yes. once that changeup comes, it's a matter of starts bef- like in, at each spot before he gets the bump up. Totally. I, and, and he's looked he's looked good as of late. You know, it, he, It's just every time you think he's going to hit a stride, he has this like blow up outing where yeah, he fights himself. He, he he it's almost like you know he's going very smoothly and then boop like a massive blip in the radar. And that is why he's looking at what like 16 starts, he's got a five seven in Chattanooga. That is a misleading ERA. It absolutely is. Um, because he is just like for some reason, there are some days he just doesn't have it and he gets just sent into oblivion. Yeah, and I think it's 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 the days where he just can't locate that that curveball. And it's just all fastballs. And he still is able to compete. Like he he's only had a couple outings where he has less than five Ks. <laughs> so even when he's off, he's still getting five or six punchies. And, and I think that's a testament to, to the stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see how he continues to develop. But I mean, it's still way ahead of schedule uh, for what anybody would have expected for the second round pick in the 2021 draft. Another good selection by the Reds there. Number seven. Uh, this is somebody that is just so different than what I thought he would be. Chase Petty. Chase Petty, he came over in another trade from the Twins. That was straight up for Sonny Gray. Um, I've been so impressed with this guy, man. Uh, He is not the max effort, crazy 100-mile-an-hour fastball, no idea where it's going, and no secondaries. I thought he was going to be fastball slider, max effort, big-time reliever risk, and we'll see how it goes kind of guy. And he is not that at all. Uh, he's actually 
heavy two-seamer, sinker, tons of weak contact. The slider's still a plus pitch, and he's just locating um, and also mixing in a third offering. I, I was not expecting Chase Petty to be this polished, uh, and I'm loving what I'm seeing from this guy. So the the D word for for many people is, you know, Dick, right? The D word for Reds fans, I think, is driveline because of what happened last year. And I think when this trade went through, my gut feeling was, oh, God, another yeah. driveline type guy with the Reds. Like, they're going to hate this. Um, and you're right. He's he's not that much of a driveline guy. I was thinking he was going to be like pumping 102, but he can't last over two innings. And then he starts walking everybody because he had eye black. Uh, I thought he'd be school. Joe Boyle. Like I-, <laughs> I thought he would be Joe Boyle. I thought he would be Joe Boyle, honestly, exclusively because he wore eye black as a pitcher in high school. Yeah, like, that, 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 that that's against the rules. That's a big turnoff. Austin Hendrick, too, like that headshot for the draft with like the red eye black. It like that looks so bad these guys need to just like remove that photo from the internet you sound um, like mad bum clean it up clean it up <laughs> and go get it out of the ocean and boomer no no i mean it, it's amazing right like did you expect him to be heavy to seem like what? no i wasn't expecting him to be 93 94 like i was not expecting this whatsoever from petty and i love it because he's still getting the whiffs like it, it's not off the charts but he's still getting what 27% K rate. But now that he has the confidence that, Hey, I can get you to, to roll over. I can get you to, to, to get yourself out. It's really helped him uh, because he's going deeper into games. He still has the plus slider. He's mixed in a four seamer on occasion. It's, it's not great at this point. If he can get that four seamer to be the riding four seamer, the heavy two seamer, the slider as well. And then the changeup. That's like a Bobby Miller type of arsenal. Um, and and the command has been way better. I mean, this this guy is not walking a lot of hitters. 7.6% walk rate in his 21 and two-thirds innings in high A, which is better than it was in low A. And how about his last three outings, Jack? He has gone four innings of hitless baseball with six Ks and one walk. The next outing, four and two-thirds, five hits, one run, one walk, seven Ks. The next outing, five innings, Two hits, no runs, one walk, seven Ks. Everything that I thought Chase Petty would be. He's the opposite. He's done the exact opposite. <laughs> yeah. In a good it's way. Crazy. 19 years old too, by the way. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm really excited about this guy. Top 100 uh, aspirations here for Chase Petty. He's probably right on the brink because the next guy is going to be on the top 100 list. It's Spencer Steer. Uh, who comes in at six, which is crazy in this system. And I'm excited to, to kind of just throw it to you on Spencer Steer. I'll, I'll set the scene on the swing adjustments that he's made that I really like. Um, this was a dude that really was more bat to ball, gap to gap. Uh, in, in college, that's how he really made a, made his living, so to speak, even though you, you couldn't make a living then. Uh, as a NIL, baby. Yeah, but, uh, you know, just three, four home runs a year, but doubles, tons of doubles high batting average. He went to the Cape and put up a really good performance there, uh, yeah. but then followed that up with a higher batting average in his final season, but didn't really tap into more power. But I think the season that he put up in the Cape was enough to, to encourage the twins to take him in the third round. That first pro season, it was still more of the same. It was a, it's a very quiet load. He almost doesn't move his hands. He was starting very upright. It was a toe tap and throw your hands at it and just put the ball in play. Sears started to realize, Hey, I'm probably not sticking it short. Um, and I, I don't have any tools that jump off the page. I'm going to need to tap into more power. 
he emerges after the pandemic with a little bit more of an athletic stance and adds this leg kick that really gets him into his backside. And he sees his exit velocities on average jump by three miles per hour. We see him hit more home runs in one season than he hit in his entire collegiate career. But the most important thing is that the contact rates weren't compromised. He went from like 87% zone contact to 85% while producing way higher end exit velos and more power. What else do you want to see? Nothing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to see anything else. I think Spencer's tier should be in the Reds lineup today. Yes. Yes. So, uh, um, you, I want to, I want to hear what you think about like just, just kind of Spencer Steer, the all-around player, as someone that's got to watch him, you know, for an entire series. And I think that he's really a guy that'll be a fan favorite. Yeah, I think he's as high a floor as you'll find in the minor leagues. I just think he's somebody that like is not going to make very many mistakes, and you're never going to be frustrated by Steer's game because you, you mentioned the power uptick, like 24 pumps last year, 23 and counting so far this year. And oh, by the way, he's got an 18% K rate. He just improves every time, man. He's so palatable, dude. It's so palatable. He is a doubles hitter that puts balls out. Um, you know, St. Paul and Louisville, they're not necessarily hitters' ballparks. Like, no. they, I guess they skew a bit to hitters, but like the, the hitters' ballparks in the International League are Columbus and Charlotte for the most part. Like, St. Paul is not necessarily on the list. Um, what I've been so impressed by Steer is – he can kind of play everywhere. Like he feels like a dude that is going to survive at short, second, third. You could probably throw him in left in a pinch. I know he played a game in right uh, earlier this year with Louisville. Um, he's going to need to learn some outfield. I think he can learn that like in the offseason. It's a good athlete. Of things. Yeah, he's like he's a good enough athlete. But I genuinely think this is a Santiago Espinal type where he can play like Espinal's great defensively at a lot of places. Steer is good at second, short, and third. Yeah. And oh, by the way, he's a guy that can hit for some pop that doesn't strike out. Yeah. I just, I think a lot of people are going to fall in love with him. And a lot of the old guard of baseball fans are going to say, this guy, Steer, he plays the game the right way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like my grandpa. <laughs> yeah. But, he's but it's like Spencer Steer. There, you need, I think every team needs a guy like that. Right. And, and what yeah. I like about Steer is, he can give you still uh, some, some good impact, especially in great American ballpark. Like he's the exact candidate that you put him in that ballpark and everything ticks up. I was talking about this with clay on our live stream. Um, And Clay Snowden is, is our Reds expert, but also kills it on just baseball.com. His last name. He doesn't need any credit. Yeah. He doesn't need any credit. Um, What's crazy about steer. And I was thinking about it. I'm like, he could, he could really be exactly what Brendan Drury was for the Reds this year. Yeah, I mean, like very I was, similar, right? I was thinking cut from the India cloth. I mean, that's like the hundredth percentile, right? Like to 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 produce what he did in his rookie year. But I mean, what Drury yeah. just did this season for them was basically the same thing as India too that rookie year. The yeah, numbers are like, crazy. I, India's India's year last year, um, like it's a it's a borderline all star year, but he was the best rookie last year. So India last year hit what two seventy with an eight thirty OPS. 21 pumps, 34 doubles. Yeah, that's kind of exactly what I think. If Steer, if it all works right for Steer, I think that's exactly what he can do. How many home runs, by the way, do you think he would have if he played all of his games at Great American Ballpark this year? You have the number? Yes. Um, He's got 23 so far this year. Yeah. 29. 31. 31. Okay. Many oppo. Like, just, just 
It, it, yeah. It, now, granted, he's not seeing big league pitching. Correct. But again, it's just like a testament to how far he can hit the baseball. Like he's not, it, it's not crazy impactful power, but it's an above average hit tool with, I think, above average power that he just squeezes every ounce out of and he can spray the ball all over and and he's just going to be able to, to maximize every ounce of that power for him. And, and I think that's why he can give you 20 plus. So steer this year real quick before we move on is hitting across double and triple a uh, with Minnesota and Cincinnati, uh, 101 games sitting 276 with an 893 OPS, 28 doubles, 23 homers, 72 driven in. Can we put together, if you were to break camp with Cincinnati next year and be an everyday guy like India was last year, again, India was around 270 with an 830 OPS, 21 pumps, 35 doubles. Can we put together like an 162 game season for him next year? What it could look like for for uh, first year? I think it would look exactly like that. <laughs> like if if it really worked out well, but if it really worked out. I'm thinking like a realistic expectation. Yeah, 260, 260 with maybe a, a 770 to 790 OPS. Yep. Yep. Um, 25 doubles, 20 home runs. Yeah, 15 to, 20 to 70 home driven in. Yeah, swipe you a handful of bags and play all over the freaking field. Are you not happy with that? If you're thrilled, because fan? I think he's going to keep getting better too. Yeah, I'm thrilled with it. That's a good piece to have. Um, and you know, you know what's tough too is I was trying to figure out how to peg him versus Matt McClain because they're they're similar in a lot of ways. And McClain ends up getting the nod at number five. And the reason why I gave McClain the nod at number five is I felt like McClain can kind of give you all of the things that steer is giving you with plus speed, better defense at short if you really needed it. And I think he's got more more power potential, just hasn't tapped into it yet. But McLean has been really fun this year. Uh, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more consistency, but he's just received crazy aggressive assignments. He's a year and a half younger than Steer. He just turned 23 years old. Uh, crazy aggressive assignments and has handled them well. I mean, he, he went to to high a last year for 29 games after being drafted in the first round by the red 17th overall and was fantastic at 273, 387, 424 uh, swipe 10 bags, three homers. Then he goes up to double a this year, which was again, an aggressive assignment 229 batting average kind of ignore that. I think the Babbitt can, can give you some idea that he has been unlucky. A guy as fast as Matt McLean will never have a 285 Babbitt uh, 15 homers though, 21 bags, 112 WRC plus because he's walking and also slugging. We'll see the bat to ball get better. I really believe that because I think he's a pretty proven hitter uh, almost at every stop. A little bit more whiff than you'd want to see. But I think the tools are just a little bit more exciting than Spencer Steer. You're younger. There's just more upside here. And the floor is still pretty solid with, with a Matt McClain. Yeah, I the 27% K rate hurts. It does. It's hard to ignore a 27% K rate so far this year. Uh, but I'm with you. I think I think overall, like McLean has more talent than Spencer Steer does, which is cool because if one of them doesn't work out, the, the, the other probably will. Yeah. Um, McLean is, I don't think McLean is as high floor as Steer is now. And I think well, before the year, I was saying McLean is so high floor. So one thing though, Spencer Steer last year, in 65 double-A games, struck out 26% of the time and walked 7% of the time. So do you not think Matt McClain can make the same adjustment that Spencer Steer made? That's a good question. Right? It's interesting. Sure. This, yeah. this was my this was my like, this was my struggle. 
And I agree. I, I don't think he's as I was expecting the hit tool to translate a little bit more. I think he's been unlucky to a degree. Obviously, the 27% K rate is hard to ignore, but he doesn't chase. 14% walk rate helps. 21 bags on 22 tries is awesome. It's 15 awesome. homers is really encouraging. And the defense has been really good at short. I think he's the long. I, I want him in center long-term. When just looking at yeah. the entire lineup situation, I want him in center. Uh, but I, I really think this guy's going to continue to develop as a hitter and be more of a, a 270 with power, speed, and he's going to be a 2020 guy. I, I really think he can be a, a pretty routinely 2020 guy with great defensive versatility. Which is cool, man, because you look at 5'11", a buck 80, and you're just like, oh, yeah, like he's, you know, high floor, low ceiling. Like he, he could have a decently high ceiling. Um, One more thing on McLean. He also just kind of have has lived the life that I think everybody wants to live. He's a SoCal guy. Went first round out of high school. Said, you know, ah, screw that. I'll, I'll go to UCLA. I'll be yeah. the big man on campus. He goes to UCLA, is the big man on campus, yeah. and goes again in the first round three years later. Like that, that's more money. Perfect. Yeah, and I remember the perfect life. Oh, my. It was his dream to play at UCLA. Turns down first round money from the D-backs and then it's better first round. Gets better first round money after being the man for a few years on what was that UCLA team. Disgusting. How many? How oh, many? Dude, that potential. was Kreidler, too. That was uh, yeah, Garrett was Mitchell. Um, yeah. There was we're probably missing a few other like just really impact guys uh, on that team. Arms. He played some center because of Kreidler, I think so. Uh, as you pull that up, I'll move on to number four, who is Cam Collier. And Cam Collier is just a very, very good baseball player already at the age of 17. So Collier got his GED so that he could graduate a year early so that he could go play junior college baseball at Chipola, which is a powerhouse. And he put up ridiculous numbers there. Before I get into that, what what's the roster looking like at UCLA? Uh, 2019 UCLA baseball, Matt McLean, Ryan Kreidler, Garrett Mitchell, Jack Stronick, who is in the uh, Padres system right now. Michael Tolia forgot. Yep, that Tolia was there a UCLA go. guy. Um, there were a couple others. Jeremy Idens, who I think is still in the Nat system. Jack Ralston, who was in the Cardinals system. Um, Chase Strumpf, who is a cub. Yeah, that guy will be a big leaguer. And then uh, is JT Schwartz somewhere? Yeah, he's still playing. Yeah. I just saw him get carved up by a painter when I was doing my painter dive. Um, That stinks. (laughs) He's just one of a million. Uh, So Collier, he goes the Juco route as a 17-year-old. And Chipola has produced some big-time players. that's I used to talk to my cousin who who played at Florida and he was he transferred out of University of Florida and played a, a season at Tallahassee Community College. And he texted me. I was a freshman in college at the time. And he was like, dude, Chipola Community College. I wasn't into prospects like analysis to, to the degree. And now they have dudes throwing 100. I was like, get out of here. Juco guys throwing 100. Like, what are you talking about? It's like, this is the best. This Juco team would demolish a lot of D1 schools. Didn't believe him. It's true that Chipola, there's obviously a larger gap in talent, but the high end talent is as good as anywhere. When you get to the junior college, San Jack, Chipola, there's a million others that we could talk about. They've produced guys like Jose Bautista, Russell Martin, Patrick Corbin, Adam Duvall. Those are all out of Chipola. But Cam Collier might end up being, I'm not going to say better than Jose Bautista or Russell Martin, but he could end up being another one of those notable alumni because he is so damn polished for a 17-year-old. I reached out to, to Pete Flaherty, who's uh, the GM of the Katuit Kettleers, who 
added Cam Collier to their Cape League roster as the youngest guy in a very, very, very long time to play on the Cape. Cam held his own on the Cape. The numbers weren't great there, but the ABs were good. He didn't strike out a lot. I really like his approach. His swing decisions are impeccable for a 17-year-old. His pitch recognition is amazing. His swing is beautiful. It reminds me of MJ Melendez. He could he could be better with the lower half like every young guy I ever talk about. He does get on his front foot a little bit because he's just he sees the ball for so long. I really think that's part of it. Uh, so he wants to go get it. But the power is very, very exciting. I think you have a potential 60 power, 60 hit if it all goes right for Collier, and he's going to stick at third. Kind of just seems like a pure hitter, like a pure, pure hitter. Nine games of the ACL, uh, slashing 375, 14, 630. Granted, only nine games, but seven walks, six punch outs, and 35 plate appearances. 17. Yeah, he's 17 years old. Like, he's seeing some 17-year-old, you know, Dominican and Venezuelan guys um, that are finally making it stateside. But even then, that's on the younger side. Like a lot of those guys. I'm mostly good at 18, 19. You yeah. Know. I mean, and he's one of the youngest guys in the Arizona complex. Like it's, it's unbelievable. And makeup off the charts heard nothing but incredible things about the way he carries himself. Father Lou Collier has got the bloodlines. I think he's safe. I think he's exciting and he's going to climb quickly for a young high school guy or not high school, yeah, but basically high school guy. So again, like he's he's 17, he's turning 18 on November 20th. Can he debut as a 20 year old? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think he could be one of those next guys. 19 year old. That's 2024. That might be pushing it. That might be pushing it. But I wouldn't be shocked with how polished he is. And I mean, with, with what he can do offensively, he could be the guy that if it all works out right, we're, we're saying, oh, could this be the guy that breaks the records or could this be the, the next guy that reaches all of these crazy thresholds because he's going to get up so young? Um, yeah, that's what's really and, and he's so soul. pure like this, yeah. this. If it all works out, that'll be the popular pick of like the next guy to hit 3000 hits, the next guy to do this or that uh, because of how young he's going to get up there and how consistent he is. Right. For uh, for Reds fans, he will not be Joe Nuxall. He's already two years behind Joe Nuxall, who debuted as a 15 year old in Major League Baseball. <laughs> So crazy. Uh, another youngster who I was shocked that the Mariners were willing to part with on top of Noel V. Marte, Edwin Arroyo checks in at number three. And uh, from the feedback I got from Reds fans, they were surprised to see Arroyo ahead of Collier. Not upset. I didn't get any backlash, but I just saw surprised to see Arroyo this high. I'll make my case. Talk about proximity here. It's a guy that, or at least safety. He's going to start. I think he's going to get some opportunity in high A before the end of the season. He's put up phenomenal numbers in low A. He's a, an elite defender. Um, I, I think this guy's going to be a gold glove caliber defender. Incredible actions. Hands are smooth. Range is impressive. Feet move well. Plus arm. Switch hitter. Above average power potential. We've already seen him tap into some of it. And he's just got a good feel to hit. He's aggressive like any young hitter with a good hit tool. But I mean, we're talking about above average hit tool potential. Above average power. Above average speed. Elite defense, switch hitter. Sound good? Sounds great. Um, I truthfully have not watched much Edwin Arroyo. Um, West Coast low A ball is a very hard sell for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's my sorry. favorite. Sorry, not sorry. No, you like West Coast high A ball. I know. I do love West like Coast the, high A ball. Yeah, you watch the Eugene Emeralds often. <laughs> but uh, yeah, West Coast low A is a very tough sell for me. Um, except when uh, when Lawler was playing for the Modesto. Or, uh, no, Modesto is Seattle. 
uh, when Lawler was playing for the Visalia Rawhide. That was the easy. The Rawhide. So what's weird, though, with Arroyo is he's been like struggling since the trade. I always wonder how that works. He got traded and I I guess he's just seeing new arms and things like that. But 17 games at the same level, he's been struggling a bit. But I I still have a lot of confidence in this guy's. You look at the numbers, 13 home runs. He's also got 24 bags on 28 attempts or 30 attempts. Um, I, I think he's just going to do a little bit of everything and play phenomenal defense as a switch hitter. I, I almost think Ozzy Albies-ish, maybe not as much power, uh, but at, at shortstop. Like that, that's that's fun. Yeah, I guess my follow-up, like just asking as, as a blind person hearing what you're saying, um, and I have glasses to help me see, so not yeah. like fully blind, but like blind on Edwin Arroyo. If one thing was not was going to like not progress, is it his power? Yeah, you know. Th- th- so it's interesting because the the exit velos are not really that high. Uh, Hundred mile per hour, ninetieth percentile exit velo, which is below yeah. average. But he's just a natural lift guy. Um, you know, he he just generates a ton of backspin, ton of carry. Lifts the ball a ton. Home run to fly ball rate's pretty consistent at 12%, um, which is more than fine. So uh, obviously you want to see more impact there. There's a little bit more room to fill out. But as he gets to the higher levels, maybe he's not able to backspin baseballs and lift with as much ease. And then maybe the power doesn't develop as much as, as you know some may have hoped. Gotcha. That makes sense. Next up, final two. And I think everybody knew who the final two were going to be. Noel V. Marte checks in at number two. And... I don't know if if anybody out there still has Marte ahead of. Actually, I I know people do. I actually got some backlash for this. Uh, You're crazy if you have somebody ahead of Ellie De La Cruz in this system. Uh, But that's not a slight on Noelvi Marte, who has been really good this year. And Marte was I was shocked to see him moved as well. Uh, To see these two guys move together in that Luis Castillo trade was surprising from the Mariners. Marte just 20 years old. Big time power potential, uh, you know, just does a lot of things really well in the batter's box. I mean, he he's got, I, I think, some of the best bat speed you're going to see in the lower levels right now, uh, while also boasting a pretty impressive field to hit. Contact rates are solid. Uh, he he's doesn't chase an egregious amount. My, I only have one concern with Noel V. Marte that drives me absolutely nuts, and it's how much he likes to pull the baseball. Everything is to his pull side. Almost all of his home runs are to his pull side. He rolls over. He wants to do a lot with just trying to yank stuff. He has good bat to ball skills. He has ridiculous bat speed. Use the whole field. That's pretty much the only thing missing because you look at the K to B or K minus BB or whatever you want to call it. But basically, he doesn't strike out that much. He walks a good amount and he produces power. Just just please use the field. Stop pulling the ball at a freaking 53% clip. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's um, going to do him in. It, it, that's the one thing that'll do him in and double. I think so too. Um, because pitchers are just smarter than that. Like they're they're not going to make mistakes like that. If they're going to make a mistake, it's going to be off the plate as opposed to just over the heart of the plate and allow you to feast. Um, with with like because I feel like you know, we could talk about Marte and we can talk about Ellie, but so much of of this conversation now is stacking Marte and Ellie, right? Like, why is Ellie a better prospect than Noel V. Marte? Um, Marte is nowhere near the tools that Ellie has. No. Nowhere close. Marte has really good tools, but it's, yeah. it's hard yeah. to... Like, I, I remember seeing before this year, um, like, there were some prospects, like, 
Nick Gonzalez, and we love Nick Gonzalez. Nick Gonzalez and Henry Davis were listed as better prospects ahead of O'Neill Cruz. How is that possible? Like, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So nobody should be a better prospect than Ellie De La Cruz, who could be the best player in baseball. Yeah, correct. And and we'll get to that. And what's funny is I'm glad you mentioned that because I look at I looked at a lot of other scouting grades on Marte because I th- I think he's I think he's falsely perceived uh, by the industry in some ways, and I feel like a snob saying that. Like no, but as as like hyper talented toolsy, you think? Yeah, I think he's and not in a bad way. Like I just don't think he's seventy raw power, like forty five hit. I think he's. 50 to 55 hit and 55 to 60 raw power. Like, I, I think this is a more polished player besides the pull thing, which again, he's 20 years old in high. A. I think he'll sort that out. Yeah. He'll, he'll be but, fine. But this is a guy that's making a ton of contact. Who's not chasing, who's not striking out egregiously and is doing a lot of like, just, just all the things you want to see in the batter's box, swiping some bags, all of those things. All the grades I see are like extreme raw power. We'll see if they like, he's not Marco no, Luciano. It, it, no. they're, they're not. I thought from all the grades that I was seeing, you would think they were like two peas in a pot. Identical. Yeah, they're not. I, I actually think his hit tool is further along than a lot of people give him credit for. And I don't think the raw power potential is this off the charts, uh, 70 grade raw power. I think it's easy plus potential, but there's a big difference between 60 and 70 and LA to a cruise. We'll, we'll talk about, uh, but just use the field. And ultimately he's probably going to move to third. But this is a third base guy that's going to hit probably 20 to 25 homers. I think maybe in Great American, he can hit 30 plus. But I think there's a high batting average and decent on base percentage here, which doesn't seem to be the consensus on him, which is interesting. All right. I I think the last thing you need to tell the haters is that you can be a really good baseball player and not be a freak athlete because that's. And he's a good athlete, though. That's the good athlete, but he's not a freak athlete. He's He's not not the, oh, I could never imagine being. Being being like Noel V. Marte. You can imagine being like Noel V. Marte. He's a really good athlete. Has obviously like spent time on his body, but like I don't know. He's he's just not LA. Like he's not he's not the freak that I think people want to label him as. Yeah. I mean, like he's posted one, I think 111 mile per hour exavilo, which is great. Yeah, that's not that's not 120. That's not LA. Yeah, it's not, it's not off the charts, off the charts. So last thing I'll say is. He's cutting off his swing by going pull side. He'll crush fastballs. Fastballs 308, 396, 546 slash line. Because you can you can get away with being pull happy on heaters. He's going to crush anything middle in. Sliders and curveballs. So just any breaking balls. 222, 298, 366. He's going to keep seeing more and more of those. And if you're going to continue to be, you know, in and out of the zone, pull happy, those pitches are going to give you trouble. He's so talented with the stick that he's able to get away with it right now. That's the last thing that he needs to kind of just shore up. And he's going to be a really, really good hitter for a long time. Um, so I, I really like Marte. Uh, just clean that up and we're in, we're in good shape. Uh, yes. But here's the crown jewel. And man, I mean, I, I'm looking at the the top 100 update and, you know, like where we're going to peg this guy. And it's really tough <laughs> because I, I want to go crazy, honestly. 90th percentile exit velo for Ellie De La Cruz of 108.3 miles per hour. That's off the freaking charts. Like I'll, I'll bring up some comps to who is also in the big leagues at 108.3 mile per hour, 90th percentile exit velo. But let's talk a little bit about Ellie De La Cruz for those who might be listening to just learn about the red system that may not, you know, know as much about this guy because he, he was not that hyped up $65,000 international free agent in 2018. And it's just exploded. Uh, 
plus plus runner, plus plus power, switch hitter, plus arm. I think the defense is fine at short. Like I, I think he's fine over there. Um, and I mean, the, he swings a lot, <laughs> that's for sure, but he hits a lot. Uh, so there's a lot to like here. He's already hit a home run over 500 feet this season. Uh, this is probably a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. And he's still just 20 years old, producing silly numbers in double A. Do you want to take your victory lap on Ellie now? <laughs> I mean, man, I, I, I really did not even expect him to be this good because like, we, we put him in the top 100 going into this year. We talked about him last year. I'm like, dude, I just, I've gotten limited video, but even like the video through a chain link fence, I don't know why people aren't talking about this guy. Like I'll definitely give myself a pat on the back on this one, but, but man, he's even better than I thought he, than I thought he would be. I'll be honest. You could make the argument that he's the best player in minor league baseball right now because, yeah. you know, obviously like the tools are, are freakazoid levels. And, and last year, 61 games, he had an 874 OPS, eight homers, 10 stolen bases. Like, okay. The, the fact that you were even to extrapolate something from that season is beyond me. And, and before this year, I mean, you were just like, be all over Ellie De La Cruz. He's this 20 year old. He got the assignment to high A which was honestly kind of shocking, like 50 games in low A last year, hit 270 with a 780 OPS. 20-year-old, I was thinking, okay, start him in low A, like maybe he's there for a month, go. He started in high A. I think maybe we were expecting to see some growing pains. He's legitimately been the best player in minor league baseball. Just walking through his slash, 73 games in Dayton, 26 games in Chattanooga. So that's 99 games between high A and double A. A 20-year-old Ellie De La Cruz, hitting 308 with a 980 OPS, which is the top 10 mark in all of minor league baseball, 26 doubles, seven triples, 27 home runs, 77 runs driven in, and he's 36 for 42 in stolen bases. He's the best non-major league player on earth right now. Yeah, in terms of statistical production and just raw tools, absolutely. He's the best non-major league baseball player on planet Earth. He is a better he's he's, he's better than Gunnar Henderson right now, I think. In terms um, of production, yes. In in terms of production and tools, yeah. He's better in terms of production and tools than Corbin Carroll. He's the best player in minor league baseball. And what's crazy is he, he really it's it's been a carbon copy in double you talk about the numbers basically it's it's been better if anything and the one thing that's missing right now is just patience but the fact that he is able to get away with such a ridiculous chase rate um he's he's swinging at uh, chasing at 36 percent of pitches and swinging 50 percent of the time but he doesn't whiff that's the amazing thing he's six five and and doesn't whiff so you're looking at a guy that that just he's short to the ball from both sides of the plate, lefty swing is way better. Um, and 19.9% in zone whiff rate. That's, that's going to keep the K rate down. Just be more patient. If he t- reigns in the approach, he could be 23 to 25% K rate, 10% walk rate with the production. The slugging on contact for him is off the charts. It always will be. I mean, he's hit a ball already 500 feet this year. Like, it, Let's this talk about is, that 3-0 swing. How about that 3-0 swing earlier this week? 3-0 fastball, obviously dead red. You have a green light. You know what you're doing. Such a long swing. We just talked about it on the Just Baseball show with O'Neill Cruz the other day. Like, how can he generate these insane exit velo numbers? It's because they're long and they're whippy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
that 3-0 swing that he put on that fastball and sent like 480 feet yeah. to dead center. I mean, that is next level humanoid stuff. And that's also a nuance of hitting that we're starting to see him learn, right? Like you can be an aggressive hitter, but if if you pick your spots well like that and you get your A++++ swing there and you don't miss it, he doesn't miss mistakes. Like that's the thing. He doesn't miss the mistakes. It For guys like this, it's not the 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 three two uh you know good breaking ball that gets them that is the problem it it's the three one fastball that was middle middle that they fouled off that is the problem with guys like this and he's not fouling those off so when i look at somebody like that all that needs to improve is the swing decisions and he's pretty complete man like he's he's, he's in creative pretty player good shape yeah he, he is literally is creative player creative player and again the 70 grade speed the last thing i want to say on him though is he is, uh, you look at the present raw power, we put a 70. Do you see the eight over there in the future raw power? Do you see that yeah, on, the, on the article? Yeah. I don't know how many other guys were going to have 80 future raw power. Jordan Walker, um, O'Neal was in that department. Yeah. It's probably about it. <laughs> so we're looking at an 80 raw power, a 70 speed. What do you have in his arm? 70. <laughs> Dude. And, uh, you know, switch hitter. So uh, what else do you want? Uh, from a guy like Ellie Dula Cruz, uh, really excited to see what he continues to do. And I mean, it, there is no, there is no ceiling you can put on this guy. Like you could, you could say he wins four MVPs and I'd be like, okay, well you're, you're, you really believe in him, but I wouldn't be, I wouldn't call you crazy. Obviously like a lot has to happen and we've seen extremely talented prospects not reach their ceiling. But my point is his ceiling is whatever the hell you want it to be. And that's reasonable. I don't think we've ever seen a prospect like him. Do you remember what I said about Ellie? The last thing I said, do you remember what I said about Ellie De La Cruz last year? In, re- no. in reference to like prospect hype and, and you said like, have we ever seen a prospect like him? Um, he didn't have the hype last year, obviously, but I said, Ellie De La Cruz is everything. Jason Dominguez was supposed to be. Yeah. By the way, he looks great, but like, he's just not, doesn't have the tools, even that Ellie De La Cruz has. That seems to be like maybe one of my, my better, like, phrasings of something because like that that's what he is he's everything he is the martian ellie de la cruz is. is the martian he is you yes. know and, and again not sweating dominguez who i'm gonna write a piece up on he looks really good but this is the guy that should have been the martian uh this yeah. is the guy that was everything he was supposed to be no jason dominguez looks like a really good baseball player like looks like he could be at some point in his career a top 10 player in baseball but yeah. ellie de la cruz is, is the, the one martian. where it's like he's the martian he's yeah. the one where everybody's looking like you know, you've got Mike Mike Trout looking at Ellie De La Cruz. Like, how the fuck can you do that? Yes. Yes. No. And that that's the thing. I've gotten I'll get texts from from guys in the minors every once in a while, just like because they want to just like talk about players that they they're in awe of. That's the most yeah. frequent name I have had come up. Like Ellie. I've had yeah. multiple really good minor league baseball players text me and be like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, what yeah. is this guy? Um, you know, and like and just or just recommend to me like you better have this guy high on your list or else yes. I'm going to like give you some crap. Um, yes. So, you know, that's just when players marvel, when really talented players marvel at a player, that's when, you know, they're kind of just on this different level. And hopefully he can be as polished of a hitter. That's really all it is. That's all it comes down to is is can he be a complete enough hitter? He doesn't need to be that complete. He could be a 40 hit tool guy and he will be fine. Yeah, the the. Only three guys that I've ever heard people talk about in that way. Like I could never in a million years do what they do. Um, Ellie, O'Neill, 
like a lot of people talk about O'Neill Cruz that way. It's like, I can't believe that that yeah. dude does the things. And he's he already probably more well-rounded than, than O'Neill. Oh, easily, easily. And then Shohei Otani, of yeah. course. Yeah. And then even like just, just Trout, people marvel just Trout's ability to just, just. People marvel at his ability, but not like his human ability. Yeah, Like yeah, his baseball fair. ability. That's fair. That's human awesome. ability. It's like, how does he do that? Like people yeah. marvel at Shohei Otani's recovery. Like, how does he throw 100 pitches and then DH and hit a nuke the next Yeah. Time? I don't understand how that yeah. works. It's kind of the same thing with Ellie, but in regards to, like, what he does to baseballs and how he moves on a baseball field. 100%. 100%. So check out the, the write-ups. They are on JustBaseball.com, also linked in the description here. Uh, got another system update coming in soon. And, again, we're continuing to wait on the uh, front end side of things with the website for the top 100 update but that should be done very soon enjoying writing all of that up it's been really fun i mean there's just so many good prospects right now that it's going to be a very very fun top 100 update we'll have another episode for you tomorrow as well we're going to do a mailbag so keep an eye out on our twitter for any questions that you want to ask you can fire them at armweight nate or at uh whatever the the, the call-ups twitter is i made it a really on forgettable handle yeah. because it's hard to remember but just look up the call up it's on there on twitter uh but fire us any questions you got we're gonna probably post that tweet already like right now by the time you're listening to this that'll do it for this episode look forward to talking prospects with you tomorrow When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.